Welcome to the I'm Not a Barista podcast. We're here to talk about all things coffee, from industry careers, brewing tips, community support, and more, with some really incredible people who love coffee as much as you do. We hope their stories inspire you, because humanity runs on coffee, and together we can empower all the people behind every cup. Hello, welcome to I'm Not a Barista podcast. I'm your host, Miki. Today's guest is Seraphine Zokas from Grace. He's a homebrewer, a psychologist, and he won the third place of the 2022 Hellenic Brewers Cup Championship in Grace. As a not a barista, he also represented Grace and competed on the 2022 Melbourne、uh, World Brewers Cup Championship. I hope you like this episode. I like Seraphine's coffee story. Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me.、Um, I was looking forward to it. Actually,、um, I think the, the I think what really clicked is the sort of standout name you guys have called "Not a Barista," and、yeah. that that completely applies to my situation. <laughs> so, what is your situation? Are you a barista or you're not? I am absolutely not a barista. I can see you now. Oh, Yay! Oh, I love the hat, man. That's a、Thank、cool、you. hat. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, works. Yeah.、Um, so I am. I am not a barista.、Uh, I am a home brewer.、Uh, I am absolutely in love with coffee. I have been for a long, long time.、Uh, my profession is.、Uh, I'm a psychologist. I work、uh, during the day in a school,、uh, which is. Where you'll find me right now, I'm I'm in a room. I'm on a break, <laughs> and then in the afternoons, I have my own、uh, private practice as a therapist. Um, so that's what I do as a profession. And、uh, yeah, lately,、uh, over the past two years, I、um, maybe more than two years, I started to do、uh, SCA seminars.、Uh, Just you know,、uh, exploring specialty coffee, getting into、um, tasting,、uh, you know,、uh, digging a little deeper.、Um, yeah, so I am not a barista. I'm just a, a coffee lover who、uh, managed to get into competition. It's been fun. It still is fun. Thank you. Thank you for sharing.、Uh, yeah, I hope you won't get fired because you're. Using your work time doing the podcast, right? <laughs> I, I'm on. I can. I structure my time.、Uh, I have the flexibility too. And at the moment, the children are on a break as well, so I've got. I've got the time. <laughs> great, great. So I don't worry about that anymore. All right. Thank. Thanks for sharing. It's very interesting background that you're a psychologist, and then you are a homebrewer or wait, wait, homebrewer or coffee lover. Coffee、Because you're not pro in a coffee, home right? Brewer, home barista, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not into.、Uh, the, you know, I'm not、uh, working、uh, for a living with coffee.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that helps to view it in a different way as well. Yes.、Um, maybe. Yes, definitely. You deserve a hat. The one I have now. Yes, please. I love it. <laughs> behind it, you can. I'm a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. So, tell us about how you start your journey. Like, when、mm-hmm. did you start coffee journey? Did you start coffee earlier than your profession, or later? Yeah, I probably started drinking. Well, look, coffee.、Uh, if you're not, if you don't sort of aren't aware of the Greek culture, it's a big thing in Greece. Yes.、Um, 
you know, it's it's a way to get people uh, around, you know, around the table. It's a way to communicate. It's a way to express yourself, I, I guess. Uh, it's a big thing here, that, uh, you know, in terms of culture. So it's always been uh, involved in my life in one way or the other, just in sort of different, you know, in a, in a in different sort of ways. So I grew up with coffee in my house because um, my parents were both big uh, coffee consumers. Uh, Mom was more a filter and dad was more traditional, uh, a brick you would call Greek or Turkish coffee or whatever you want to call it, a brick coffee, I suppose. Is that still a thing that people, you know, don't know what to call it because people are fighting for the name. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I, he, he, you know, I'm sure you get frowns if you call it Turkish coffee in Greece, and then you probably get frowns if you call it Greek coffee in Turkey or wherever. But at the end of the day, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what you call it, Ibrik coffee. Um, you choose to call it whatever, as long as it tastes good. <laughs> all right, all right, thanks. I don't care what it's called. Um, so, um, so it was around at home. And uh, I started drinking it from a early age, um, you know, more milk based when I was younger, I suppose. And then I started to, uh, you know, consume it in different ways. Uh, you probably have heard, if not of um, cold coffee here in Greece. So now they've got Freddo, which is very trendy and popular. but. Yes. But back then it was frappe, which isn't that popular now, uh, or you don't find it in the sort of more trendy, traditional coffee places you would go to. But if you don't know what frappe is, it's basically uh, instant coffee that's been uh, blended in like this special blender that they have. It forms lots of cream and then you can put milk in it or sugar or whatever you want. Um, so, you know, we all go down that route as Greek coffee drinkers. So yeah, it's always been in my life. Um, I just chose to take it into a different direction now, I suppose. So you started your coffee journey as a baby, like many Italian, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. I don't, I don't, I don't ever think it was like put in a milk bottle to give to me, (laughs) but yeah, but no, it's been, um, yeah, it's been around. It's been in my life for as long as I can remember. Um, so as we know that you started your competition, professional competition, a couple of, a couple of years ago. So how, how did that start? So one day you just like, I can be the world champion, right? No. <laughs> because I'm a good psychologist. I know the game. <laughs> I'm not nervous on a stage. <laughs> um, so there are many, many things actually that, that contributed to that. Um, I think the first was that I'm I'm just curious. So it's like, how far can I take it? What's the next step? What can I do now? Um, let's try it. Why not? I like to keep an open mind about things. I don't. I think one of the the main arguments and main things that I want to bring up here is: Do you have to be a coffee professional to be able to do what other coffee professionals do? Um, or step up onto a world stage. I mean, you know, do you have to be a professional to do that? Uh, and if if you do have to be a professional to do that, are we limiting the market? Why can't we open it up more? It's just questions that I have in mind that I 
obviously I would love to hear other people, you know, and their views about it. Um, but I think that was one of the main aims of, you know, this chat as well, just to see hmm, why not. But how I got into competition basically was, um, yeah, two years ago, uh, nearly two years ago, uh, after sort of brewing lots of coffee at home, um, I just got to the point where I really felt that the filter coffee that I brew at home is a lot better than the filter coffee that I will drink in cafes. I just felt that it was, you know, good enough, uh, maybe a, lo a lot of times even better. So I said, okay, let's see, why not try a competition? So Brewer, Brewer's Cup was around the corner in Greece. And I just said, right, I have no expectations whatsoever. It's not about, for me, it wasn't about, you know, winning or earning a place. It's like, oh, how far can I go? Uh, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't really go well, at least I'll get some feedback. Like I'll know if like the work I've done so far is paying off or what can I do? I just want to become better. So I decided to sign up for the Brewer's Cup uh, here in Greece. And um, and it, it went it went well. It went above any expectation I had. Uh, I managed to get third place, which was. I didn't, I really didn't expect it. I thought it'd be cool to get through to finals and just, you know, perform my open service twice. Why not? But um, third place was great. So that was my first competition and how I got into it. I just said, why not? Let's try it. Great. So can I stop you right there? I want to know how was your experience as a home brewers competing with professionals on your first competition on you won the third place. How yeah. did it happen? How did you feel? How how did you prepare everything? Yeah. Um, so I th I think I had the I had guidance from the um, the sort of roasters that I would uh, purchase coffee from because they were into competitions as well. So I did have a professional viewpoint of let's say you know sensory sort of information and how to approach the um, Brewer's Cup uh, form, you know, so having that in mind, I then had to sort of challenge myself to be able to fit the form and sort of match it. That was one step, but it was m mostly it was uh, sensory, really, not so much brewing skill, but mostly sensory uh, of understanding that, uh, understanding the beverage and the result and, you know, interpreting it uh, and becoming better at doing that, which I'm still doing. I'm still trying to get better at that. Um, so I think that was the main thing that I tried to improve on is understanding what they ask for in competition, which can be a lot different to what you would expect uh, that like just brewing coffee at home, what they look for on a competition form is different having a nice presentation uh as well which helps um I, i i brought my uh background of uh psychology and uh a home brewing on on stage and that really sort of caught attention because it was something fresh and new and new here so i think that that helped it must have helped as well um, it must be so tell us about your professional background how did it help in what way so 
Yeah, uh, what I did was I sort of had to think of, right, okay, I have a 10-minute presentation. Uh, apart from giving coffee knowledge, I also have to sort of, you know, keep myself and who I am in this uh, and not drift away. I felt that that would become a very a typical generic presentation that you do see, which is very good. Uh, but I said, how can I bring myself into it? So what I thought about is how do I work? as a professional, and how does that relate to coffee? And there are three things that I found in common when I work with coffee and when I sort of work with, uh, with people as well, is that I have to get to know who I'm working with. I have to get to know people's backgrounds. So that's relative to the coffee that I'm dealing with. Like, where is it coming from? Uh, origin, process, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second point was I always pay attention to the setting, what goes, uh, what goes on in our session. Like there are variables that I have to be aware of, you know, within the environment. So when I'm with a client, it's also observing the client and how is that client uh, sort of reacting to the environment around him, being in a person's office? How is he feeling or is she feeling? Or So there are factors in the environment that you want to pay attention to and that was related to my brewing device, like my temperature, my uh, my dripper, the material, the grind size, all these variables that I'm trying to manipulate and control. And then the third, I think the most important, are that I have to pay attention to people's narratives and what they tell me, like through their eyes, their stories, right? And I then applied that to what the coffee is trying to tell us through its narrative, which is basically its flavor profile. Like, what is it telling us? So like in the aroma, it's giving us this. It's telling us this, right? Through its uh, flavor, it's, it's telling us this. And I, that's how I brought my profession into like what I do with coffee, what I know how to do with coffee. Can I imagine that? Because you're a psychologist, you know, barista on the stage, they see judges, they think, oh, there are judges. But then you're on the stage, you're, they are my patients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think lots of people see judges as really like scary people who they have to like do a lot to impress. At the end of the day, they're people. And like, um, we have to remember, and this was a big lesson learned from uh, my experience on the world stage in Melbourne, was that, you know, these judges, they do it because they love it. They don't do it because they get paid. They don't do it because it's their job. They take time off their work, you know, or their family or to come, to travel all across the world, maybe, to just sit in front of you for 10 minutes. And while you spill your heart out to them, you know, and like try to serve coffee, they they take time off their busy schedules to come. Like it's how you view them. Of They're not, yeah, they're not scary people. They're like normal people who really love what they do. And and they took time off to come and see you. And we have to be really grateful for that. That's definitely something I took from, from Melbourne uh, when it comes to judges and who they are. Uh, I'm, and I'm really grateful that they do what they do. 
Thank you for sharing. Tell us about experience in Marbling. We I couldn't be there, but we have um, we we had our, our volunteers there. Yeah, and on stage and working there as volunteers, and so it was an amazing event, as to say. But tell us more how you experienced. It was one of the most amazing experiences I've uh, I've had.、Uh, it was extremely unexpected because、mm-hmm. I, as I said earlier, I I got third place for Brewers Cup. I didn't win it. I wasn't the national champion here in Greece, and I still am not the national champion in Greece, and I don't want to.、Mm-hmm. Take that away from our national champion, who、um, has done an amazing job to get there. But I think, you know, for personal reasons,、uh, he couldn't go to Melbourne, and that、uh, for for other reasons,、uh, second place couldn't go. So it came to me, and it, this came to me、um, approximately a month and a half to two months before competition. And I honestly, when I got the phone call, I went, "You're you're shitting." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't remember I won the champion, right? <laughs> yeah, come on! What are you joking now? Are you rubbing it in or something?、Uh, you know. But I then thought, wow, you know, this is what I, this is what I got into. Like I got into competition to do this. Like I was, I was watching YouTube a year before. Like coffee competitions and like oh look at look at you know look at what they're doing and no I was just just a viewer on YouTube watching world coffee competitions and then next year there I am do you know what I mean it's like what like I'm trying to take all that in but Melbourne was amazing one because I've never I've never traveled that far in my life that's a that's a long trip.、Uh, And、um, two, I got to meet all these wonderful people who I would, you know, view online, like lots of competitors who I really、uh, admire and、uh, sort of try to mimic things that they do,、uh, and you know the great techniques that they come up with,、uh, or the、um, recipes that I try to replicate that they do, which probably ninety percent of the time I don't manage to replicate. <laughs> like they do、uh, for many various reasons, but、um, I、uh, I really tried to enjoy it as much as I could. I'm not going to lie and say that I enjoyed it to the maximum because I really felt lots of stress as well. Of like, oh, you know, come on, you gotta you gotta do the best you can, and you came all the way over here. But there there was a big side to me,、uh, like a kid in a candy store. <sighs> Look where I am. I love it, rather than focusing a hundred percent on what I'm supposed to do. But I had a great time. It was a great trip. Met lovely people.、Uh, learned a lot. I'm I'm just building on that now. I felt that I could have said, right, I got third place for Greek Brewers Cup. I went to Worlds, and now I can hang my hat and say, forget it. I've done it. I don't need to do it again. I can go home and brew some coffee now. But no, it's. Like I managed to do that, and now I think I have to. I have to build upon that. Like uh, and uh, and yeah. So what? What do your family think about my、that? family? Yeah, like they're like,、mm, we let Daddy go, right? <laughs> your daughter said,、uh, we let him go because he could、yeah. have a good time, but、yeah. we didn't want him to do this for like a professional one. <laughs> yeah. Stop here.、Uh, that's. That's a that's a good question. I think my my family, being my my、uh, my mother,、uh, my mother thought I'm I'm, I'm nuts. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, 
Um, but I think my, my daughter, I have a seven year old daughter and, um, I think a big message that I wanted to send out to my, my, my child as well is do, do what you love, enjoy it. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I grew, I, I studied psychology and I decided to be a, a therapist, but does that mean that's what I am only? No. You know, there are other things that you love and you want to do. And it's like, when you love something, do it. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, if it's dance, art, I don't know, whatever you choose to do in life, uh, as long as you love it, then yeah, it pays off. And um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. There are times that I love coffee a lot more. It's like a magical thing to do. But yeah, I think that's another conversation of like, why wouldn't I do it as a profession? I don't know if I'd do it as a profession, but I think that it would maybe possibly take away the whole magic behind what I'm doing now, mm -hmm. right? I view it, it's what I said earlier. I view it very, in a completely different way than I think a professional would. Like I view it as something magical, romantic, do whatever you want with it. But, and then I think of myself being behind a bar brewing espresso or freddo all day long. And I find that completely boring in a way because it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not, I'm, I'm, I'm brewing filter for myself and experimenting in any way I want. Yeah. I think with your background, um, it's best to be a bartender, right? <laughs> Instead of barista, because people go to coffee shops, they don't really drink much. Uh, they don't really talk much. With mm. the baristas, you got a coffee, got an order, and they just run away or I see somewhere quietly reading a book. Yeah. If we go to the bar, the bartender always talk a lot and the, the customer are willing to talk. I think that'll yeah. be a better fit for you. If you one day want to leave your what you're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Again, again, I I might get a barista saying what you're saying is nonsense and it's a great job. And I completely respect that. Uh, I'm sure there are people who love doing that. At, right now where I am, Uh, and what I'm doing, I'm, you know, I, I can't picture myself doing it like behind a bar professionally, a hundred percent. I don't know. It could it change. Oh, you know, always you have to keep an open mind. You never know what could happen, but I just love the fact that I, um, can view it and enjoy it like I do now. And it doesn't limit me, you know, to what I want to do. Like, I'll give you a very simple example. If you work for a company, right then you're sort of limited in what you can use. Like you're, you're behind a brand name. You sort of have to use that, right? Like if you, if you want to go to competition, you, you have to use what that company has available to you. Whereas what I have is the freedom to try coffees from different roasters and select what I want rather than because I work for that roastery, that's what I have to do. And that's great. You know, I, I love it because it just opens more, more doors. It, I have more resources that I can select and, and um, choose to use um, the way I want. And that's great. I think that's an interesting point. But I also think, okay, you're an independent competitor in that case, a home bureau. Yeah. So you have all the freedom you want because you're not limited what to use, what to, what coffee to use. But my question to you will be, 
how do you get these monsters and how do you arrange, you know, the trip to, to Australia for the competition, the hotels, the tickets? Do you cover everything yourself or you have somehow find some sponsors? So how did you do that? I think most baristas, they are, you know, concerned about this because it's a big expenses for most people. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, everything I did up until competition, uh, apart from, I mean, uh, the, uh, especially the S SEA Greece, uh, what, you know, uh, paid for the ticket to Melbourne and back that was covered, uh, as well as the, uh, my accommodation. And I'm extremely grateful for that. But in terms of, uh, coffee that you use, um, and equipment, etc., most of the things that I have, I, I bought on my own and the roasters that I, um, competed with helped me a lot with equipment uh whether it was you know lending me stuff for competition etc but um over the years i've bought tons of stuff uh for sort of home use that i could bring in but um truth be told after melbourne what i started doing is and this is another question that comes up is if i wasn't on the world stage how much support would I be able to get? Um, so what I did is when I came back from Melbourne, I sent emails to companies saying, you know, this is who I am. This is what I've done. I'm continuing my competition journey, but I'm on my own and I need support and help. And there, you know, were two, three companies who were very kind and said, we will support you. And what do you need? And they sent me equipment. And that was, that, that was huge help for my future competition journey, which is continuing. The question here is, if I hadn't been on the world stage and I had sent that email out, would I have gotten that response? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's the problem most baristas without, before they becoming famous or before, before they getting a, a national title. When they are looking for sponsors, someone can help them. It's always difficult. Yeah. 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 That, I think that's something that um, definitely needs to be heard, to, you know, addressed, uh, thought of is how can we support more people who, for example, you know, home brewers? There are tons of home brewers out there. I, you know, follow lots of people online who have these amazing uh ideas and brew brew devices etc which i've never seen before or i haven't seen professionals use or i see some professionals use later on and you know some of these guys are they probably have lots of talent could is it is it resources and funds that limit them and is there something that can support that or or are roasteries or other coffee professionals uh, sort of willing to, you know, support pe uh, uh, people for competition, uh, whatever that may be. I don't know. Is it, you know, is it if you if you want to do it, then we will, you know, supply you with equipment or help you out if you maybe take our coffee on stage. I don't know how it would work, really. I don't know how it would work, but I think that that is something to to think about of how we can support more, you know, um, more non-professionals to that, because it is a huge expense. It's yes, a huge it expense. I mean, you, you need at least, you know, you need two kettles 
I would say. Uh, you need three or four brewing devices if you want to have a spare. Then you need scales. You need this is just this is for brewers. I'm not even go gonna go into barista. Do you know what I mean? This is for brewers. Hand grinders, as you well know, there are so many things that you need. Uh, it's a huge expense. Exactly. That's most uh, um, young baristas, young competitors that are facing the same issues. And sometimes because of the money issue that we cannot see those guys, talented guys, compete on the stage. But it's really great to see many, many uh, homebrewers recently, uh, recent years. We see that they are starting uh, competing on an international stage with the professionals and they got good results. And just like you are one of the great examples there. I think this is great that we don't limit this stage for professionals. If you're good, then uh, you're good, right? It's um, I, I, it reminds me. Some people ask ask a question often, like, "Do you need to have a SCA certificate to uh, to be a barista, or do you, do you have uh, this those advanced course so you are a good barista?" And then I tell them, "I don't think so." You know, a lot of people that watch YouTube videos. They are way better than baristas, but they're just homebrewers. So yeah. it makes sense. Um, like uh, another example is uh, for preliminaries, at least uh, they did preliminary rounds here in, uh, in Athens, in Greece, mm-hmm. uh, this time round. If you wanted to take part in preliminaries, you didn't have to be an SCA. Me- you didn't have to have an SCA membership, mm-hmm. right? But then if you go through to nationals, you have to have an SCA membership. Which means that you have to pay a couple, you know, hundred some whatever to then join SCA. Now, okay, that's not the biggest expense. It is it is supporting SCA, I suppose, uh, and that's a good thing. But again, is that a limiting factor or not? Uh, I don't know. Again, mm-hmm. but you know, you sort of raise that. But I would like to think that that you know money is going towards SCA, and hopefully that is going out to things that they need as an organization so of course i just want to bring this topic uh, probably a little bit more sensitive and uh, since you said there's nothing we cannot talk about i just want to talk about sc's thing I, i'm not part of it i never took their courses and the funny thing is most of the time i hear people complain about i see how they are not really doing their job well and all people praise how rich they could get if you're a part of the sca in your nation they probably got rich within the few years because the coffee market grows to get a lot of money coming in. Okay. I don't like SCA personally. We can cut it off later if you don't like this part, you know, in the podcast. Because what I see earlier, SCA banned all Russian baristas, coffee people. Yeah. 100%. I don't know how many of those guys, you know, go to the war to Ukraine and then fight for their country or whatever. But I don't think much, not many baristas, they are part of the political game, you know, but they are the victim of this thing. But if the double standards of SCAs exist, they ban certain countries because they don't serve their shareholders interest. Let's say that they should ban America too, right? I'm going to say they should ban the UK, they should ban Germany or whoever started one in foreign countries. They should ban all the baristas from those countries, but apparently they are not doing that. So I'm really against SCA in this case because they are having this double standard, which really, I think they ruined their reputation. But of course, it's 
off the topic. It's just not that it reminds me. I see it. No, no, no. Just... I'm like, I, I completely, uh, I understand what you're saying. The other day, uh, actually, I was speaking to a friend. Uh, it happened to be about like EuroLeague basketball. It wasn't even about, you know, uh, like coffee. But okay. I brought it in because, well, you know how Russian teams are banned from like EuroLeague. Because I was looking at the standings and I was still like, well, CSKA Moscow, where are they? Like they're always big times. And then my my friend reminded me, he's like, well, don't you remember? They're all banned. And I they're went, banned, yeah. <laughs> I went, what? Um, and then again, and then I thought, hold on, Russian competitors for coffee, same thing. You know, banning this, banning that. I think we just like my personal opinion is ban politics from this. You know, exactly. Why do we, why do we have to bring politics into? um sports why do and honestly sports i i i stopped watching most sports now you know i don't watch football anymore because it's hugely just politics uh and you know like it's more to do with money and other things rather than like the game of football i don't want to see that happen to coffee yeah do you know what i mean like it has to be like get politics out of things like this i people are people it's not nothing to do with political battles, etc. Um, well, unless they are activists, <laughs> then it could be a little bit different. But I think most of the coffee people are nice. As far as we know, we interview yeah. more than 200 people around the world. And most of the coffee people, they are the best one, actually. You know, you see coffee shops and you see barista with tattoos, long hairs or different hair colors. They look yeah. so cool that you're kind of intimidated to talk to them. But once you talk to them, you talk about coffee, they become your friend in instantly i think yeah. that's the power of coffee whenever we're in trouble we go to coffee shops and we talk about coffee we talk about their job we ask their situations yeah. and people open their heart so seeing those people cannot compete on a stage yeah. because the country issue the political issue and then they have nothing to do with yeah that's really really sad i mean that's really really bad no that is it is it is very sad and and um i completely agree with um, people in the coffee industry being wonderful and how it brings us together. And I completely saw that on uh, the uh, in Melbourne on that mm -hmm. world stage of how people were brought together because they just love one common thing. There was a there was a thought that that crossed my mind, uh, and that happened in Melbourne. Is that are we competing against each other or are we just in this together? And the reason I say that is because. I had competitors who I'm supposedly up against who came and gave me uh, minerals for water. Uh, they tried, you know, my coffee and gave me advice. They, you know, others borrowed uh, drippers or a kettle from someone else. And, and that was, you know, like an amazing thing to see and experience because in my, I have, I'm lucky to have experienced a national competition and a world competition in a very short amount of time. And they are two completely different things. Nationals are extremely competitive to the point where it's like, and I understand why you want to win, right? But <laughs> like, I have, I have heard like various things about nationals and how people can become so competitive that they become cruel and nasty. And that's not what we're in this for. And in national, in in worlds, that it was nothing like that. It was an how come? Like people 
just they proved them, themselves already, right? Probably. I'm the top of my country, so yeah, maybe I'm here already. So there's maybe. we can be friends. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is because we're, we're here now. We're winners. Let's enjoy it. But is that is a shame? You should enjoy nationals too. You know, you don't have to be a winner. You can just enjoy the process and uh, and have fun. Yeah, that's another actually another thing. Uh, you know, my um, again, I, I sort of like I don't know if this helps or not. But again, um, you know, the message that I give to to my my daughter is: is it about winning all the time, or is it about taking part and becoming better and enjoying what you do. Yeah, that's another thing. Because when I came back from Melbourne, she said, did you bring the trophy? I knew it. You know, I wasn't, I mean, I got to be realistic, but it's not about bringing back the trophy. It's about, you know, it was a great experience and, um, and, you know, other things that you can take from it. That's something else. But going back to what you said about SCA and, you know, all these other things, there is one thing that I will happily bring up, and, and that's I have heard, I have heard, I hope it's not true everywhere, but I have heard that judges don't get paid to do what they do. They have to fund everything themselves. And that, for me, is something that has to change. It yeah, has to okay. change. I don't know anything about that, if they got paid or not. Because I see this is supposed to be a NGO NPO, I guess, right? Yeah, but then they got a lot of money coming in because the courses, because the certificates, okay. because the competitions, the sponsorships. Okay. But of course, um, judge is important. But I guess, like you said, most judges they they are flying for the yeah. law for coffee instead yeah. of the money. I think because most judges they have their own job. Yeah, you know, you take their them one week from their job, probably they will lose more money than the money you give to them. I think, but you definitely brought a very interesting um, topic about the competition status, like the situation on the national level and the international level yeah. based on your professional background. Yeah. Can you analyze what's the reason or how we can bring those friendly competition environment and vibe from the yeah. international level, right, to yeah. national level? So we can make everybody enjoying the process of competing and learning from each other instead of like, I got to kill you because I'm better or mm -hmm. you're a big yep. threat. <laughs> Off the top of my mind, I mean, it's a, it's a lot more complex than the answer I'm going to give because I think, you know, you have to dig a little deeper into what people think about what is winning to them and, you know, why are they doing this? What are they in it for? Like, you know, what are they trying to gain from it? Is it, is it like um, stature? Is it... Uh, you know, proving something to people or proving something to themselves? That is one big question. I think every part, every, every uh, participant uh, has to, every competitor has to ask themselves before they join a competition, why am I doing it and who am I doing it for? Mm -hmm. uh, and the second thing that I think, again, makes me a lot different than others is, are you competing independently or are you competing for a company? And when you're competing for a company, is that company going to support you even if you don't do well? Or is it not going to go well for your uh, professional career after that? Now, I can't answer that 100% because I'm not in it professionally. But I think that the competitors who are in it because they've got a logo, brand logo behind them and this big company, 
have a lot more pressure. And, Definitely. And that changes the game and the market and everything else. And it, it becomes a game of companies rather than brewers or whatever you want to call it. That's a very interesting perspective. I never thought about that. Um, but I think next time we should invite a guest who are a professional competitor and how big sponsor. And I'm gonna ask the same question to the same the same yeah. question you just mentioned, like how 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 did it happen? I don't think we talk about talk enough about this topic, like how sponsorship can affect the coffee community. Like you say, if this become a game for the business, you are just the face of the company instead of you're presenting for yourself. For a country, or you want to compete as an individual, as a barista, as a person, for competing as a brand, I think that definitely changed a lot of things. Yeah, look, there are there are people out there. I I don't want to put all companies in the same sort of you know situation. Uh, there are people out there, and there are big companies out there who value competitors and what they do, and, definitely. Uh, and you know, like they want them to be themselves. It's not. They don't want you to be their brand. They want you to be who you are. And, you know, these are the people who I choose to, uh, you know, sort of work with because at the end of the day, it's it's, it's bringing who you are uh, into this rather than bringing a brand name. In. But I think what would be really helpful and you could do, for example, is uh, get a get like a, a group of, of people and interview a group of people at the same time and have like a group discussion on this topic and see the various viewpoints that come up culturally or in due to their uh, occupation or whatever. And I'm sure you'll get amazing results. I'm happy to be part of it anytime. That'd be a great conversation. Great. We're having you plan for this year. Have a group interview, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. But... Thank you so much. So the last question to you is who are you in real life? And if we want to see you one day, if you yeah. visit Athens, are we okay to invite you for a cup of coffee? Oh, I'd love that. I'm always up for a cup of coffee. I'm always up for meeting people from around the world or locally. It doesn't matter. I love the fact I've had some uh, home brewers from Greece who have like uh, messaged me on Instagram. And I'm very happy to have people message me and I, and I will get back to them. You know, like they just wanted to meet up for a coffee and exchange ideas. And I'm always up for that. You can't find me in in a specific coffee shop because I don't work in a coffee shop. You can find me in my office, I have book, book appointment. <laughs> my private practice appointment. No, but I think um, you know, like uh, I basically, to be completely honest, created an Instagram account a little over a year ago, and I mainly did it just for the coffee industry. It was a way to connect and follow what happens around the world. So most of my Instagram is about um, coffee and, uh, you know, I've met people and, uh, communicated with people through that. And I'm very happy to continue doing that. So yeah, please, if anyone ever wanted to, I'm more than happy for, to have a chat. Great. Thank you. Nice talking to you. I hope next time we have the same chat after you win the world competition. In, in Athens. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I, have, I have nationals uh, coming up in a month first. So that's in a month. All right. Let's see. But yeah, no, it's a stay, stay humble at what you do. Just love it. And then I'll definitely be at World of Coffee in Athens watching competitors and get, you know, meeting people, whatever. Even if I'm not taking part, I'll still be there. So I hope to see you there. Great. We we'll definitely see you there. Before we end this section, I just want to ask you if 
there's any question I or I, I should ask or anything you prepare you want to share with the audience, but I didn't ask you earlier. Um, no, I can't think of anything. Um, but y- if I if I were to th- can I thank someone publicly? Of course. Uh, from the coffee industry, there is one particular person who uh, I I I'm still working with, and I um, I think she has is a big part of my coffee journey and has changed the way that I work and view coffee and everything I do. And that's Emmy Fukuhori. And I, I really want to thank her. And I'm really happy that I, um, that our paths crossed and that we, um, I, you know, I'm really lucky to be learning from her and uh, taking uh, coffee on my journey. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to thank her publicly. Thank you. I think Emmy will be very happy to hear that. We'll attack her later. <laughs> On Instagram, <laughs> cool. <Amy. laughs> awesome, great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, and and thank you, thank you for the opportunity because it's really important. You know, again, uh, I'm not a barista. It just made sense that I <laughs> would contact and I wanted to come, uh, you know, and and speak to you guys. Uh, and thanks for the opportunity to spread the message. It's ever a pleasure, man. Thanks for tuning in to this. I'm not a barista episode. Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at I am not a barista for more empowering vibes and true coffee stories that connect you with coffee lovers around the world. You're a part of our global community where we celebrate baristas and their craft in everything that we do.